Hey everyone, welcome to the latest edition of Client Horror Stories, and I'm honored to have my new virtual drinking buddy, Joss Silverbauer here, and I he's <laughs> with uh, with a cup of coffee or tea, perhaps that's whiskey in there, and uh, he was uh, just telling me he has a great client horror story. In fact, a couple. Let's dive. Let's dive right in, Josh. All right. Well, thank you, Morgan. Um, so. The what I want to preface this with is that you know saying yes at a as a as a CEO is an incredibly powerful thing to do, right? Saying yes will get you very far as as an owner, right? Um, but sometimes saying yes has problems, and sometimes saying yes can put you into situations where you wish you had said no. And by by the way, I just want to interrupt and add, saying yes often involves money. And it's really, really hard to say no when there's a dollar sign in front. There's this temptation of the green bill. And and it's, it's also, you know, not only is it, you know, the money in front of you, but you, you're running a business and you want to be able to feel like you are progressing in that business and growing in that business. Right. And so you tend to, you know, try to figure out it along the way sometimes. And you, and the part of the yes is I have the confidence to figure this out. And sometimes in that, yes, you know, it gets really messy right? Because if you don't exactly know what you're doing, and and especially in the beginning stages, right, when you're trying to figure everything out, right, you say yes to something which could potentially cause you to blow up your business, right? And for us, um, you know, in the very beginnings of our business, uh, we um, didn't exactly know what we wanted to focus on as a business, right? We, we had a lot of different services. We used to call ourselves the everything agency. We were, you know, mm-hmm. called Grew and Bleen. Uh, you know, that's that was the name of the business back then uh, before we changed it to Great Big Digital. And um, we, we called ourselves an everything agency, right? Because, you know, the, where the concept ended up coming from, right, was a, the, the, to start the agency. It was a friend of mine and I, we're like, you know what? We're just going to take care of a business, right? And, you know, just take care of people's business, right? The stuff that they don't want to do, right? That's where the concept came from, right? right, right. So the philosophy behind it is like, if somebody came to us and we, they were like, we have a problem, we were like, we'll solve it. We'll figure it out and we'll solve it, right? And so this same friend, his parents had a business associates um, or friend, business associates slash friends um, in the holistic community. Um, they were relatively well-known in the holistic community, right? And they had developed, uh, you know, uh, a, a practice uh, or a type of practice that was really popular in the holistic community, right? These guys were like, famous in the holistic community for their particular practice, right? And they had been for 25 years, right? And so, you I, know, I just want, yeah. want to interrupt. In my experience dealing with famous people, just knowing nothing other than that they're famous, that's already a little yellow flag. Huge, huge yellow flag. <laughs> right. Huge yellow flag, right. He's just, again, not, not knowing even where the story is going in, I... A lot of people's experience, famous people, the more your fame goes up, the more your ego tends to go up. And the more <laughs> and there was a lot of ego. There was a lot of ego. And, and where where it came in, right? Where they came in was they were famous in the 90s, right? And and developed a website, right, in the 90s. And basically wanted to modernize their brand, right? And needed a company to modernize their brand, right? Um, and and to get them in front of, you know, change the website. And, and so what we heard 
was, and we were a website development company at this time. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I'm going to interrupt again. This actually makes the the yellow red flag turn into a dark yellow red flag because it's not just really famous. They're fading famous. They used to be famous. And the fading famous, it's like your ego is starting to be shattered. And the shattering ego is even, even worse oh, than the high ego. <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah, this was definitely a case of I'm anxious because I'm not as relevant right. anymore. How do I get, how do I make sure that I stay relevant, right? And oh. and this is after years of them putting up struggle with, you know, things like, I, I believe the FDA and, and, and different, you know, um, uh, troubles that they've been in, right? For and so now they're trying to get in front of people again, and it's a different culture now, right? So there's you know, totally, there's totally. right, uh, and we'll get into that later. Um, but basically, uh, they said we want a new website, right? And we we heard great. We know how to build websites. We're building small WordPress websites, right? We're a small agency, but we have a developer who can, you know, develop websites. We do that, right? Little did we know that this website had chaos all around it, right? There was like five different verticals, right, that they had that they wanted to essentially fuse all together. There was a database that was storing all their data, right? Um, That was like 20 years old, right? And they wanted to modernize all of that stuff. And we we didn't really understand that that was part of it, right? And so we build this like- So so, so pause. So this was, sounds like it was a mistake on managing them on your side due to your inexperience, where now you'll, you'll like, dive in and figure out these sorts of requirements beforehand. We didn't. So this, this was potentially, you know, the biggest, like, first of all, we're, we're small business. We, we had one, one large client ever before this. And this large client at that point was basically our only like port, like the biggest part of our portfolio. Right. And here comes this other clip. So we had, we had lost, I'm not going to get into that story, but we had lost that client right? Um, for lots of just miscommunication and just bad stuff, right? That, that could be another episode. Or a different time, yes. Um, but this, right when that happened, this client came out of nowhere with the potential of basically saying, you know, we have a budget of $180,000, right? And we were just like, holy crap, that could like pay for our, you know, business for two years at this point, right? We're like four people, you know, like that could help really expand this, you know, and like we said, cool. And we're like, here's what we're going to do. We're going to build you a website and anything that goes along with that website, that's fine. Right. And then we're going to do some marketing and we're going to refine your brand and we're going to do everything. Right. And meanwhile, we didn't really have any, we didn't ask any questions. Right. We just like, put down vague stuff on an SOW, right? A, a, you know, a scope of work that we were going to be like building a website. We're going to like, we didn't really outline, you know, the requirements of that website in any way. So we just start from this, this kind of like vague, this is what we're going to be doing. Right. And hey, by, by the way, I, I want to call out another thing. So part of that is just inexperience. Yep. So, uh, but, there's another part to it that's worth mentioning, which is at, even today, I find myself falling into the same trap with bigger numbers at a zero to enter the numbers, but I have that same instinct. Wow, that number is so big. And I have a whole bunch of guys. Of course, of course we can do it. Yes. So mm-hmm. even like so just like big numbers and still have a company team total make you make you think that yeah. oh yeah, we'll yeah there's always you know even today right there's always that first thought of can i do this yeah sure i can do this right and then you start and then like that's the first thought. like with people who are yes sayers people who are people who you know are problem solvers like like me like you right we we love solving problems the first instinct 
is always, yeah, sure, I can do this, right? And also, and, and also people who are trained in improv comedy. Yeah, yeah, it's, all it's a yes and. It's a yes and. Right, exactly. Yes and. Exactly. You know, and, and that thought process of ever saying no, just is like not part of your core being, right? And so like, you know, totally. I've, I've had to work very hard over the years and it's still hard to even understand the concept of no. You know, when it comes to business, I understand it. Right, right, right. But yeah, you know, the, you know, with business is always like, yeah, sure. We can, we can figure this out. Um, but so we, and because they were friends with my friend, my business, my business partner's parents, right. Yes. We were, they were willing to not really do a whole lot of research up front. Right. We were new. They knew we were new. And they were also like, we're going to get a good deal here, probably, because the things that we're asking for are like really complicated. And we're willing to take the risk on these guys because we know their parents. Right. So there was an initial, you know, misunderstanding in the beginning of what we were actually going to be doing. And this caused a lot of issues along the road because not only did we say we were going to build this website, but we said we were going to do marketing, rebranding, and all this other stuff, right? And there was no actual plan. It was it was whatever was coming up, you know, in the time period that we were working together, right? So because we were working with a slowly fading, you know, uh, famous person, he... And the way that this business was structured was there was the main guy who was famous, right? There was his wife who was the, basically the manager of the, of the brand and ready. Okay. So we'll, we'll get into that. So manager of the brand. And then the, there was a, one other guy who was kind of the technical guy who had built all the systems. So we're dealing with the famous guy. We're dealing with the person who had done all the branding up to now, right? right. But doesn't understand digital enough digital. To, to continue doing the branding, right? Which is very interesting because she had done all the branding up to now. So she had lots of opinions, which we'll get to in a right. second. <laughs> and then three, we were built, we're dealing with the person who built all the tech, right? Up to now, but doesn't really understand like mobile and all of the, you know, all of the, um, the front end stuff, right? So he's kind of like, he, he is essentially the CTO, right? The person who has built it, who had built all the systems up to now. And so, you know, he, he, he knew enough to be dangerous, but didn't know enough in, you know, in terms of how to get this next step to market, right? So right. we're dealing with three decision makers, right? All the time, right? We're not just dealing with the famous. And, and the way that the famous person um, was, um, he was not interested in business at all right? His personality was, I just want to be famous and I want to be in the limelight and I want to be, you guys make all the decisions, but I'm going to have some thoughts on it if it doesn't involve me, right? <laughs> and so, so he didn't really want to be involved at all in terms of like negotiation or, right? He just wanted to be, he just wanted to do his craft and be in the limelight, right? And then the other two had very, very strong opinions on everything right so we started getting wait, 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 let, yeah. let's let's pause let's talk for a moment about working with people with with very strong opinions i feel like another risk factor or point worth calling out is i think often when you're younger and starting talking out it's like you have strong opinions yes ma'am and you do what they want but i think as you get more confidence and grow in your career one of the challenges is learning yeah. to be able to say, to say, hey, like, are you hiring me to be the robot? Exactly. Yeah. Are you hiring me to be your robot? Or are you hiring me because I'm the expert and 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 I and I will make the decisions. Yeah. And you can't yeah. really have both. Yeah, I mean there's 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 a great um HubSpot um 
picture uh, or infographic on types of clients, right? And one type of client that's on that is the um, uh, essentially the Miss Know It All or the Mister Know It All, right? Which is you know you get into a conversation with them, and over and over time, you start to think, wait a second, so why why did you hire me at all? Right. <laughs> you know, because you, you know, they, they want to be in control, but they're having trouble, I guess, you know, taking their own thoughts and executing them. So they hire somebody essentially to execute them, but in the, what you think you're hired for is you think that they want your thoughts. Right. And so, you know, there's, there's that miscommunication in the beginning of like, do you want me to do this or are you looking for something new or do you just want to take what you think and put and have us be the execution person, which is, you know, fine. But oftentimes what we, what we experience is they don't know what they want. Right. And so, you know, their, their response is generally like, yeah, that's the worst combination. Strong opinions combined with not knowing what you want. Yes. Yes. Uh Oh, (laughs) it's, it's that, it's that, like, I, I'm not sure what is going to work here, but I know it's not that. Right. And so, you know, it's, it's that exact type of person, right. It's, it's the person who, who doesn't know, but they know it, what they don't want. Right. And it's everything that you're producing. Right. So, um, you know, the, 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 the trouble with that is you're going to get into, uh, it's going to be a battle from the very beginning. Right. And, and we saw it very early on because we, you know, they even wanted us to redo the logo. Right. And so we're, we're creating new logos and we have like, we start with two different versions of the logo. And then all of a sudden we're at six different versions of the logo. And then all of a sudden we're at 12 different versions of the logo. Then we have 25, you know, and we're just like all these different versions. And it's literally like, like after finally we've refined the direction we want and then we had to do 25 like different versions of that direction right with different colors different types of text right so it's just like you know we we it slowed down the process and then on top of that the decision making and and it's tough with any type of organization who has multiple decision makers right um that don't that that need to talk to each other about everything, right? You see this a lot in nonprofits, which, you know, nonprofits are great, but the problem with nonprofits is there's always a board and the board always needs to decide everything together, right? And so, you know, with the trouble with that type of situation is things move slow, right? And when you're working on, when you're you're dealing with an $180,000 budget and things are moving really slow and you're spending lots and lots and lots and lots of time on a logo, you're wasting tons of time to actually get them value and what you're trying to do in terms of the scope that you think that you're trying to produce, right? And so, yeah. So, you know, where we find ourselves is slowly pulling away from website, which was the main reason that they hired us and starting to pull more towards that brand and design and all of the things that like, because we can't build a website if they don't know what they want in terms of the design, right? And as we're going along, we just, we just realize that they just don't get it, right? And I don't, I don't exactly like looking back on this. There were so many red flags, but how? And this is a conversation. Like this is just a good conversation. How can you know if a client just isn't gonna get it? You know? Yeah. How do you know that? Right? They're not getting it, and they never will. And they never will. And that's. And, and the biggest, the biggest, the, the time that we figured out, and it was pretty early on that we figured out that they were never going to get it. And the problem with figuring that out, even early on, is that you're in a contract, right? And even if you figure it out early on that they're never going to get it, you sign the contract and you're trying, you're like, how can I 
at least get them the value of what we signed as quickly as possible. And then you're in this scenario. But the, the, the time that we realized they truly weren't going to get it, we designed the site and took them into, you know, this is after lots and lots and lots of meetings of talking about direction, um, you know, the, the wife um, telling us lots of things weren't working, right? And, and we finally get to some level of compromise with the direction of the homepage, right? And a couple other pages, right? And we're, this is after probably a few months, maybe more like four or five months of just really focusing on design. And, and she was a print artist, right? And, and so she did all of their pamphlets, right? And also like very hands-on in terms of a designer herself. And so she had great opinions. So what we ended up going there, right? Thinking that we were going to decide and move forward on this design. We walk into the place that we're meeting and the room looks like, you know, in a beautiful mind when you walk in, like in that, uh, in, in that movie, when I uh, forget Russell Crowe was like, literally he lost it. Right. Um, papers all over the wall. They had printed out all of the pages of our website design and tack them onto the wall to see how long the pages felt. <laughs> oh my goodness. And we walk in and I need we're some like, more whiskey without my I know. And we walk in and we're like, oh no, they're never going to get it. Right. They're never going to understand web. Right. And as much education as we could potentially provide right? They are looking at this as if it's a magazine and we, it's totally different rules and we can't communicate that to them, right? Meanwhile, you know, that's on, on that side. And then the, let's, 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 let's pause for that because that's actually, uh, it's great imagery. It's like the, I can see the climax of the story. What it, what it, leads me leads me to wonder is the challenge of working with someone who fundamentally doesn't understand your medium yeah. like um yeah. like like that's a particular type of a particular type of client and it's and i never thought about this explicitly until right now but it might be useful to like uh, to have a process to identify or smell up front whether like they okay i saw marketing okay do you understand the basics of marketing in it? If not, like if not, it's a whole other beast. Yeah, I mean, I think that there, we've 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 kind of developed a way to like sniff it out a little bit, where like the person has to kind of understand buzzwords or keywords or something like that, and it, or they don't have to understand it, but they ha- they have to like not. Um, there's buzzwords and keywords that are on the opposite side of not understanding that if we hear them, we say red flag, right? You know, if somebody is like, all right, yeah, just just call up Google and get them to put me up on the top, right? There's things like, <laughs> that is literally a conversation that we've had, right? I, I don't know if I'm allowed to curse on this, but I, you know. You can curse, uh, curse yeah, away. I've literally had somebody say to me, okay, just call up Google whatever you have to do, go and fuck people at Google if you want, right? Just get me up to the top. <laughs> you know, and if you hear things like that, you say, okay, red flag, right? This person doesn't understand how it works, right? And the SEO is like that in general, right? It's like- By, it's by the way, yeah. by the way, so, sometimes I wish it worked that way because it would be easier. Oh, wait, like, right. <laughs> find someone oh, really high and to the right person. Yeah, exactly. Who knew it was that easy? Right. Um, yeah. I mean, so, you know, and I like, they don't, you know, th- there does need to be some level of education that the client comes in with to be able to meet you some way. Right. And, and one big red flag about the whole situation is that it, 
you have to look at where their brand is today, right? And one of the things, you know, that you could sniff out, like we were talking about in the beginning is when was this person relevant and are they relevant anymore, right? And and like sometimes that does work for a rebrand, but generally they know the medium that they became relevant on and then it's hard to get them to understand the new medium, right? Because, you know, like, and that's that's something that I think we could have possibly sniffed out if we did a little bit more research on them as a brand beforehand. And that's a great point. I would add in another rule of thumb inspired by that. In as in general, exceptions, just just a pattern, the best type of client is the one where their brand now is at the best point it's ever been. Like, yeah. like, like in, in other words, a client that even if it's small and not great, where they're on their way up, you like at the bottom of the on the way up uh, pattern is much, much better yeah. than at the bottom oh, totally. of the way down. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, yeah, it's so much of that. Do they have momentum or it has the momentum fa- like faded, right? Um, and, you know, who's who's their audience? Because that's another thing. It's like they're like they weren't exactly sure if they were trying to get new people or just make it easier for them to, you know, access the older generation to keep their older generation happy and, and interested, right? And so there was so many mis-messages of what where we wanted to take the brand and all that stuff. And, and this um, was really interesting because so much of this where we were originally had thought website turned into this massive brand chaos that we were trying to deal with, right? And how, how to change this person's perception and and this person who was um the the you know the famous person didn't quite understand what was going to happen once he get went out into the world of social media right and the way that he Uh-oh. the way that he thought is that so many people thought like him he was anti-vax he was you know, super duper, you know, holistic. So anything can be cured by your body. Right. And this happened very early, like right around the time that, um, John Oliver, uh, put out, um, a whole thing on vaccines and, and, you know, and then he thought it would be a good idea to basically say John Oliver is wrong and boost it to a whole bunch of people. Right. (laughs) exploded with anger from so many different people and he just didn't understand why people were so angry and why you know and it was just a different world of young educated people who you know were one you know and you know it it was just very hard to communicate to him that this might not like this might not be your your medium, right? And, and Wait, yeah. question question before he did that, did you warn him? Try to strategize with yes. him that that I it was like him that I warned I we warned him that by doing that he's going to evoke a lot of anger and probably negative comments. And he was like, "Well, that's good for controversy," and we said, "Okay." But then I don't think he realized what it would actually be like, right, right, right. you know, and then I think every, everyone says they want controversy in theory, but as soon as it happens, they shit in their pants, yeah. tail between their legs. And he's, he's commenting back to every single one there. People are going on his, finding his Google, my business and just slamming it like reviews terrible all over the place this this the person went from i think like a four and a half stars on um you know google my business down to like 1.5 because so many people just flooded all of the reviews and meanwhile we're like we're like dude this is so distracting from what we're trying to do right now but it's because he wanted to get out 
you know? And so he wanted to get out. We had the brand person who wanted to build a new brand. And we had the tech person who wanted us to build this ridiculously complex website. And as we start getting more and more into the, the website, we start, and this is a, an R bad, we start realizing that there are systems upon systems upon systems that are connected to this website, right? And for us to update the website means that we have to update all of those systems as well, right? Like there's a like every single time somebody signs up for a seminar, there it go, it processes into a backend system. Like there's just so many systems, right? And so we didn't do that research, right? And that was a big, big no-no for us. Um, yeah, I don't, do we want to stop there and just talk about the importance of doing research? Because it's very important to do research. And, and this is, yeah, it, it's just like, this is always tricky for, for a new business. And, and even today, scoping right like you you want to yeah you want to spend time on building out a really thorough scope right but how do you charge for that right like All right the, the, yeah. the trick the trick is is no one wants to be for discovery yeah no one wants to pay you for research no one wants to pay you for research right and you know they want you to do that on your own to get the the account right and there are companies that are willing to do it on their own and they end up you know we've lost a lot of business to people who say yeah no we're gonna just jump in and then they come back to us later because they haven't produced the product that they thought they would you know and it's and that's what's the tricky part is is that you know like there's always people there cutting corners there's always people there who will come under you for pricing too, right? And it's just like, you have to stick to your guns of like, this is what we need to succeed at this project. And if we can't do these things upfront and you aren't willing to work with us to get there, then we have to pass on this project. And that's really hard to accept, right? As somebody who really wants to work and wants to, you know, and you, you say, if this project doesn't become ours, right, we're going to lose business. And if we lose business, like, you know, as a business owner, you're always anxious about where the next, staying ahead of the next step, right? Totally, totally. And like, you want to be bringing in business, especially as you start hiring, you know, you want to be bringing in business to support your family and support like your, your business family, to support, you know, the growth of the business, right? And turning down projects is hard, right? So you like rushing to get projects is like kind of in your core too, right? Because you want to bring in the things as quickly as one, possible. Yeah. One one way I try to solve it, and I'm not sure it's the best solution, and it's not a, it's not a full solution, but something I found useful is to, in the statement of work, like have a massive list of assumptions. Yeah. And, and like, just like, as that is part of the, uh, the contract it is really powerful because, Oh, it turns out that it's not this system, but it's really this system with this other system because that's like written to the contract. It makes it easier to have the conversation to go back to with them say, Hey, like, like this is a change of scope. Totally. And that, that change of scope, you know, kept on happening. Right. And, and that conversation kept on happening and, and it started building this kind of sense of distrust, right? Because we, we had to keep going back and saying, you know, well, you wanted videos now, right? You want this now, you want this now. Well, the website is taking right. a back seat to that. Are you prepared right. for that, right? And, and because there was three decision makers, some of them wanted that. And, and then the, the one who was the most, I guess, practical about what needed to happen, right? Which was the tech guy, right? He was, he would get outvoiced by the other two who were the, the wife and husband. And then it would just keep on pushing the website back for the branding, right? And for the branding, for the, the marketing, for the videos, for all the stuff that like was like not going to get them to where they needed, right? Not build the systems to put into place to kind of bring them into this, you know, 21st century, Right. But the, the person kept kind of getting outvoted. And so then when we kept having to be like, well, we need more, you know, scope to continue on this website stuff, it was just like, like constantly a battle 
you know, and we would be like, okay, just give us another 40 hours, give us another 40 hours, give us another 40 hours, because this is, you know, taking, you're, you're taking 40 hours from this and you're putting it into this. Right. And so all of a sudden we became essentially like uh, an hourly, like an hourly contract retainer versus like that initial scope of work, which was like, build us a website. Right. And, but we still had that as the, the contract, right. Which caused, a lot of problems at the end. And so the lesson here is if there are so many changes to the scope, always revisit the contract, right? Uh, that's, that's a good lesson. Yeah. yeah. Like always, like when you start getting wind that things are changing and things are, you know, try to void out that contract and create a new one based off of those changes, right? And because, and and they should, the client should understand that because they're the ones asking you to change things at that point. Now there might be some back and forth, you know, and but it's really important to to build that out uh, because you know ultimately it's going to save you a lot of heartbreak later, which, you know, as we get to the, the, the crux and the end of this story, you know, we, you know, it, it was a failure. So yeah. yeah you, powerful points, uh, powerful lessons. I want to add in another point that another risk factor is clients who think they're getting a too good deal. Yeah. Where, because what 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 ha- what sounds like is happening here also or one of the factors just trying to think about the psychology of this hu- of this husband and wife and I've known clients like this where they're like this is lots and lots of work but we have this contract hundred eighty thousand dollars yeah whatever that they're like wow we can, like we're getting more and more and more for it and yeah. whether sometimes it's intentional sometimes it's it's unintentional but wow like we're paying this much but we're but we're getting but we're getting that much like if it's too good to be true it's too good to be true that yeah. it's always going to result in revisiting contracts or breakdowns of some sort. Yep. Yep. So like, so we're about like seven months into the engagement with them. And right now our progress is a bunch of marketing videos. Some the brand- when, did, the, did the engagement have a, a, a timeline originally? Yeah, the, the original timeline was like a year for like a 12-month contract to get them this website, right? By, all by the way, I, I want to say what something I've also been doing is before doing year-long contracts, I now insist on a small 90-day contract just to yeah. see how we work together. Yeah, so that, that's, problem, that's another thing. The tricky thing with that is that when you, we, we structured the um, agreement as a project, it was the website, right? As opposed to a retainer engagement. So we our, our contract was essentially build this website and it's going to take a year to do it, right? Because, I, you I know, and, and, but then because we got, uh, got pulled into, well, what's the design? What's the brand? How's that going to look on social, right? How's this going to translate into our audience and our positioning and all that stuff? Oh, what about the videos for the website, right? Oh, why can't they be high-end videos and do some interviews with us and come to our location, and right? And so, like, all of this website stuff became a lot more content stuff. And we started right. working out the, you know, the website. And, you know, we... You know, uh, you know, we're at seven months and we have a fucking blog. That's all we have at this point, you know, <laughs> and like all like we're like looking at this scope of how many how much hours we have left. And meanwhile, we're down now to like what uh, one like sixty thousand dollars, basically, or some kind of like, you know, which equates to, you know, not very much time right, right to build this insane system of, of websites. So we're like starting to try to do that. And we realize there's no way we can do this with, you know, the amount of hours that we have left, right? And then, so we start thinking, well, how many hours do we need for this? And then we realize, oh my God, we need like an additional like $60,000 on top of the $60,000 to like do this, right? And so we basically go back in and say, this is the amount of additional hours we need to output what you guys are asking us and we need to get out of marketing and we need to get this and they're like an additional sixty thousand dollars that's ridiculous right and all of a sudden they're like pause the project we we want out 
right? And all we have to show for them at that point is a blog with some videos and some content, right? And we had had like partial systems in place, but they weren't near finished, right? And so to them, they just paid $120,000 for a blog, right? And that's what they got out of it, right? A blog should not cost $120,000. Now we did videos. Yeah, yeah. So, right, so so they're feeling so rip, ripped off because a blog should cost $120,000. And from your side, dude, we had like, endless meetings and back and forth and 4 million versions of every tiny little thing. Yes. So, so this, the scope creep happened for us. Right. And that, that we, you know, we couldn't get to the value for them because of the roadblocks. Under pause, uh, (laughs) mixing phases, pause have since that time, have you now come up with a strong strategy to prevent or limit scope creeps? Because I will admit, I still struggle with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we have much better ways of identifying the projects that make sense for us to take on. You know, um, the uh, you know we we don't really do custom development very much anymore, right? And so, like, that also helps us stay within scope because even right. at a very like even the most difficult website, we kind of have a control over it. If there's no like super duper custom development involved, like for backend app kind of scenarios, but yeah, it's still hard because sometimes, you know, a client that starts out with one idea has multiple different ideas throughout it and you're already engaged with them. And yeah, you refine scope, but you want to keep that person happy. And then like, you know, it's, it's that balance between client relations and getting to the value of the project, you know? Totally. Uh, totally. I, because I haven't found a good way to solve the scope problem, I solve that basically by focusing my whole practice on the things I'm so confident in. Like, I like I know with my eyes closed the price, the details, the risks, and yeah. uh, everything else. Yeah, totally. I mean, and, and you know, but the, the tricky thing about that is that with people like us, I don't know if you, you experience this too, but what I feel like I'm confident in is lots of things. <laughs> and so, so I, I tend to, you, you were the everything shop. Yeah, I tend to bend the rules a little bit to that mantra because I'm like, well, this is close enough that I could be confident in this. Right. And, and that's gotten me very far in terms of my education because I will, I'm a very good learner, so I can learn a lot of things. So it's, but you're tapped, you're tap dancing on, you know, a, a tightrope, right. You're like, you're, you're kind of like, you know, you're a really good tap dancer and you're a really good type rope walker, but you misstep and you fall. Right. So like you're, you're constantly dancing that line. Yeah. I think for me, I, I maybe I agree with all that for me personally, I got out of the custom dev business because it's custom dev was precisely issues like that, that I never solved. However, for example, like I'm the man behind microsite marketing. I spend days and nights just creating lots of high quality, well done microsites and I have my whole process and team. So I know, okay, we want a site for this, of this yep. sort, with as many pages. Yep. I instantly know, like, okay, it will cost about this. It will take this much time. And the worst case, it's not going to be that much different than what you Yeah, have. like, I have my microsite, I have, you know, WordPress. I like the WordPress process, the templates, all, here are all the plugins, here are the people. Like, it's like, I'm able, I feel confident keeping the microsite li- uh, limited in a way that, oh, go build me an app. I'm like, I'm like, someone else can go do that for you. And and so like what you're, what you're pointing on or what, what you, uh, you know, is the more you have a process in place, the less likely oh. you are going to, you know, go off the rails and, and over promise oh. and under deliver. Right. But, you know, it's, it's defining what that prog- process is and also understanding when to adapt that process, you yes. know, because, because the tech world changes every single day. Right. And like, you know, if you're just, if you're just too rigid on that process, you won't grow. Right. So it's like the same, it's the same, like it's that, again, that balance of like, 
making sure you have a process, making sure that that comes first. And then, then, and then kind of like taking a bird's eye view of, you know, does it make sense in this scenario? Do we bend it a little bit? Right. Like if there is a, something that comes along that could be really interesting thing for your, your, you know, team to, to explore. So, yeah. And, um, and by the way, clients value the process because when you talk about work you've done previously, it could have just been you're lucky or you're smart or you work really hard, but a process implies reproducibility. Yeah. And what every client wants is, oh yeah, those past successes, I want you to reproduce them for yeah. me. Yeah, exactly. And then also, you know, it just people are comfortable with structure. Right. And if you if you go in and you have no structure and there's no, you know, there's no uh, process in place, there's going to be a sense of anxiety from from everybody uh, along the way. Right. If if I were a cynical atheist, I could potentially argue that religion exists because people really want structure to start yeah, their lives. Totally. I mean, it's it's you know, we have a level of anxiety when we don't know when, when there is an unknown right and and religion structures it right and and just in general like that we we as a as as humans crave structure because we are completely afraid of the unknown right and so that's you know the more you can give that structure um and that leadership right to that client then you know the the generally the better scenario you're going to put yourself in and right? actually and what's actually interesting is Imagine your company had a stronger structure at that point when your clients start saying, do the million versions of the logo. We need a million meetings for this. Like structure allows you to push back and say, hey, you hired us for our right. process. And our process is do it like is is, yeah. is do it like this. We like we can't do a million versions of the logo. That's not in the process. Yeah. And like the better part of that is put it in the contract. Right. <laughs> put that put that process in the contract and then you can always point back yes, to that contract point. and say, good well, point. it's two two logo meetings. If you want a third one, right, then and, and that also sets you up for if it's not doing well in the beginning, if they're pushing for four, five, six logo updates in the very beginning and you have two in your contract, you can point to that and they say, Well, that's not acceptable. And you can say, Well, this is how we do it maybe this isn't the right fit. Right. And so, you know, the more structure there is obviously the, you know, the better. So, you know, we get to the, um, you know, the end of this, this relationship with them, you know, after almost, you know, nine months, 10 months with them. And they basically say, okay, we want $35,000 back. Right. And we're like, what? Like, we built you all these things. We, you know, you, you know, based off of time, you used our time, right? And they say, yeah, but we didn't get the value that we thought. And, and how could we argue with that, right? Because they didn't get the value of what they started out with, right? They wanted this website experience. And, and there's so many things on, on both sides that cause that to not happen, Right. But basically, you know, we didn't have a great argument of like, you know, we could go to court with them. We could, you know, we could go battle. We might win. Cost us sixty thousand, a hundred thousand dollars to go up in court against people who have a lot more money than we do at this point. Right. And so it's like we basically were like, all right, you fucked up, we fucked up, right? Twenty thousand dollars. How's that sound, right? And we gave them twenty thousand dollars back over time because we felt personally like we had failed, right? This this scenario, and they failed us, but we failed them too, you know. And so our our end of this, and and this is two years ago when you know paying twenty thousand dollars out of where we were two years ago took us a long time. Now it's not that bad. Right. But like, if we, like, we basically were like, we're going to go out of business because we really messed up this one thing. Not only did it mess up this one thing, but it prevented us from getting other business. Cause we were so focused on trying to figure out how to fulfill this project that we didn't get anything else. So we, we put ourselves in a really, really bad spot two years ago because of all of this stuff that led up to the moment of, you failed 
you know, give us money back. And, you know, it was really, it was really intense at that moment. Right. Um, but the good thing to learn from this as a young agency is you can get past that, right. You can, you, you can, you know, like it, a failure like that, right. Can feel like you have destroyed your business. Right. And that's a really intense thing to feel, but note that we are two years later and we are now, I think, 20 times where we were last time, like two years ago. So, you know, you live, you learn, and then you build on top of it and learn from those. And, and that's the most important part of it. So, yeah. Those are powerful lessons. And by the way, I hadn't realized that you had grown 20X in two years. I always think this was a story from a decade ago. <laughs> no, two years, two years ago. The coals are still on the fire. It's still, yep. uh, it's still, it's we still just, paid, we paid off that loan, uh, I think, uh, uh, early last year. So yeah, it took us a long time. Wow. Um, I already see that headline for this uh, podcast, the $120,000 blog. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. That's what it was. $120,000 blog at the end of the day. Yeah. And that's I think what their argument was. That's what their argument was, yeah. And I mean, and we understand it. Like, no black yeah. should cost. hundred percent. hundred percent. And I think one of the meta lessons here is the importance of pushing back. Like, clients often want meetings, paperwork, revisions. And, um, and even if you say, oh, yeah, change order, like, updating this, still, like, fundamentally, they have a budget. And they have so much emotions, like so much emotional strength and so much, so much budget. And when they waste it on your part, everyone loses. So as, as someone running an agency, it's our responsibility to be able to push back to yeah. them and say, you want me to do this, but you actually don't want me to do this because it's going to stop us from, from actually fulfilling the contract. Yep. Yep. Totally. And, and, you know, the, the moral of the story is that the keywords here is yes. And no, <laughs> you know, pushing back, you know, you, you have to get comfortable with both of those, those words in your vocabulary as a business person, you know, somebody who is just no all the time, right. Um, is, is going to turn down opportunities left and right. That could be amazing because they are just so, dogmatic about the process right and so they're you know they need to be able to say yes sometimes a lot more and then the yes you know the yes person needs to be able to say no and if you can't you align yourself with good partners who are able to say no <laughs> Right, <laughs> that needs that. That should be a requirement of uh, of, of of one of the business partners. Yeah, I mean that's my 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 business partner. The my man, like my other business partner, who you know is essentially like the other um, managing member of our business. He's a no person. He's just no, 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 no. He knows everything, and I am a yes person. I yes, 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 everything. And so we we disagree on a lot of things, but that balance. Is very important because sometimes that no is really necessary. And if I'm not going to be able to say it right, then he can say, it. <laughs> you know, and it's not the easy way well, out, but it's, you know, it's good cop, bad cop, you know? So, yeah. What's interesting is I often think about saying no early on, like yeah. turning down clients, but part of the subtlety here is sometimes good. Sometimes you don't realize there'll be a bad client or sometimes good clients turn bad. So, um, so as, as a result, as a result of that, uh, like when, when you're, when you're in the middle things, like it's the, like someone, their client's not happy with the logo. So they ask for another revision. It's hard to say, no, sorry. Uh, yeah. To, to, I, I like to, I like to think of, you know, this is just really interesting. You said like the good clients become bad. I like to think of like the agency world as like, uh, I just, I just had to look it up because I forgot what it was from, but from Batman, right. It's either you die a hero or you live long enough to become a villain. Right. And it's like, you know, with like client relationships, it's kind of like that where it's like, you just keep on going and keep on going. And eventually, you know, 
like the you've fulfilled it right that's the fulfillment right you've you've done what you needed to do and you pass them on right or it just goes and goes and goes and goes and goes and they you become the villain because you you know you essentially want to you want to be able clients are like children right you want to be able to raise them and you want to be able to send them off onto their own you know and then if you keep them there too long you essentially like you have to keep on finding value for them. Right. And make sure you're doing that or you do become a villain at the end of it. Right. So it really is about constantly determining what value is and making sure that you can fulfill that. Love it. I'm used to like throwing in Shakespeare and ancient poetic and Latin quotes, but I love your like pop culture Batman quote. I had, I hadn't known that one, but I think it's my new favorite quote. It's it's a great point. Yeah, yeah, cool. So that's that's the whole that's the story of the client. You know, that's the story of uh, that failure, and um, that was the biggest failure we ever had. Um, definitely, like hands down, it just it lasted the longest. It was the most money, and was the only time that we ever had to pay back for our services. That was the only time that we legitimately said, "Okay, we failed." in this, you know, we're going to give them some money back because we weren't able to provide the value that we hope to have, you know, for them. Experience is a euphemism for failure. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so, so this has given you experience so you can, you can identify these risk factors more. There's, there's the saying often attributed to Winston Churchill, but you know, Churchill and drift, everything tends to be uh, attributed to, uh, to Winston Churchill that, that success is being able to, pick yourself up after every failure. So mm-hmm. the kudos to you after I like this, this is one of the bigger failures of, of, of everyone I've spoken to. So, um, so kudos oh, good. To you. Oh, great. great. <laughs> you get a gold, gold star. Um, yeah. no, but it's, but like the, the harder you fall, the more you internalize the lesson. We started out by talking about the risks of people with egos who are too high. And one of the, one of the reasons people, even the not famous people get really high egos is when you've never truly experienced failure. There's yeah. nothing that keeps your, keeps your ego in check. Okay. So yeah, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger type of thing. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So I, so as a result, you've been able to like grow 20 times in a year and, yeah. and be, and be very strong now. So mazel tov. Thanks man. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, and, and you know, part of, Part of being a problem solver, right, is that you you essentially get off on on figuring out problems, right? And if if there were no problems from clients, right, then would we get bored? Probably. So you just you just keep on figuring out stuff, keep on learning, keep on building your, you know, I I you know we'll get super philosophical here, but like really, you know, what what is better than wisdom? right? In, 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 in life, right? What, like, what is better than that? Just learning and learning and learning and learning until you, you, you get wise, right? And wisdom oftentimes comes with experience, right? As we're talking about this. So, you know, if you can internalize that, if you can learn from those mistakes, then that is the win, right? It's like, it's only a failure if you never learn from it. Right. And so you, you know, it's, it, you can turn that into a win and, and, and that's, you know, a much better way to live than to say, I failed, you know, you turn it into a win. So, you know. Yeah. And, and to wrap up, I, yeah, I love it. Um, agreed. Finding wisdom is, is hard. And one of the worst things is failing and, not not learning from it. I recently just, I, I had a drink with uh, with a former client. He fell. He he ended up failing on his business uh, business after the one I helped him. And I asked him, "What did you learn?" He was like, "He was like the worst part is I didn't even learn anything from the failure." And and I and I hear that. And what I tried to tell him, but uh, but he didn't internalize it. Is you're not looking deep enough inside yourself if you're if you if you do, if you don't learn anything. And and what I personally do is I'm obsessed with documents and I always write learning docs just for myself. I don't even have anyone to show them to. And because and I, because writing it out helps me codify, um, uh, uh, 
codify what I can learn. And mm-hmm. even when it's 99% the other person's fault, it's never 100%. Like even when only 1% is under your control, you still could have done differently that that, that 1%. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. And yeah, it's, I completely agree. Um, It's therapeutic. It's therapeutic, right? Like just put it out there to talk about it. Right. Cool. Yeah. um, This, this is great. Thank you for, thank you for your time. It was a, it was a powerful story and I'm happy that you've been able, after falling down, uh, so deep that you've been able to lift yourself up so high. Yeah. And we'll keep going and I'm sure we'll keep failing and I'm sure we'll keep learning and I'm sure we'll keep winning. So, and I'd love to have you, uh, back on at some point after your wife's baby pops out and yeah. to, to share some of your other stories as well. Absolutely. Thanks. Marcus. Okay. And thank you everyone, everyone for watching. Woo!